Hi all. So a while ago on YouTube, I stumbled down a wormhole of small kitchen appliance reviews. As I was looking to buy an air fryer and perhaps maybe a pressure cooker, that's when I stumbled across one of the worst YouTube chefs of all time. His name is Jack Scalfani, as I like to call him. Jack Salmonella Scalfani. I watch video after video of him butcher, sometimes quite literally, recipes. Imagine driving slowly past a multi-car pileup on the interstate. That's my face as I watched him teach the internet how to make partially cooked meals of varying types and taking awful and unneeded shortcuts to recipes that are already quick to prepare. The absolute horror of Jack's lazy man chefing air quote techniques to my boyfriend Tom and now since we can't unsee it we are opening your eyes to it as well I'm Michelle and I welcome you to join us for this horrific journey better known as pink chicken and the lazy man welcome back to pink chicken man the lazy man pink chicken and the lazy man hello folks well this is a little bit of a surprise for you we're back to a recorded format and uh we're not actually going to be covering any of jack's youtube videos for this podcast we're actually going to do something a little different for you i thought because some people have been buzzing about the west texas investors club this is a rare sighting of jack outside of his youtube native home and as you know we have some issues with jack regarding his native youtube home you know one of the things that people uh, we get a lot of comments and criticisms about uh, about is if Jack is this giant internet celebrity how come nobody's ever heard about him outside of YouTube has he ever done anything else besides his YouTube show has he tried to garner any more celebrity and fame for himself than the almost automated processing of celebrity that YouTube gives him now well folks do we have a special treat for you ping chicken in her hours upon hours of research about the entire Scalfani organization, found the financial network CNBC had produced a program that was basically gonna be like a Texas-style, 10-gallon hat, southern-fried version of Shark Tank. It was a program entitled the West Texas Investors Club. I keep screwing up and calling it the West Texas Fires Club because wasn't that a movie that came out around the same time? It was. And we don't have definitive proof of this, but we think that the two are actually linked. Because the West Texas Investors Club stars a gentleman who they call Rooster McConaughey. And if you're asking, well, I know the name McConaughey. Is that Matthew McConaughey, the actor? Correct. This is his older brother. Somehow, around the time that Matthew McConaughey was in West Texas filming his movie The Dallas Buyers Club, which was not only uh, independently, which was not only starred by Matthew McConaughey, but also independently produced by him, which of course went on to win the Oscars. They were also producing this television show. So I don't have definitive proof of this, but you have to imagine the two are related. That either this was sort of like a dowry from the studio that Mr. McConaughey got invited to, or that Matthew's older brother Rooster was like, hey, I got an idea for a TV show. It's like that shark tank but it ain't them northerners it's good old texas good old boys and matthew's like i like your idea i think we should do that so cnbc gave them a one season run and that's all they had of it no it's actually two seasons i looked that up it it actually is two seasons oh there's a second season my bad unfortunately yes you know how many episodes per season like 14 i think okay so two seasons 14 episodes each so 28 episodes in total but we're only interested in one episode. Season one, episode so two. two. yes. They it, had two guests on that it night. It was called A Time to Grill. A Time to Grill. Matthew McConaughey was in a movie with Samuel L. Jackson called The Time to Kill that was based on a John Grisham novel. You can see the McConaughey connections the weavings, all over this place. The interweavings. Yes. Um, it allegedly aired on August 11th, 2015. And this, if you're following the Jag timeline, 2014-2015 is around the time that Jack made the move from Cali. Cali to Tennessee based on the interviews going on with the West Texas Investors Club, which we'll get into. There's three different guys. There's McConaughey and then the two other guys. He was in Tennessee. He just ma- he just made the move at this point in time. So he's in Tennessee. So he was called upon or interviewed, like whatever happens with Jack was probably 
reality looking, shows. Jack was probably looking to get on Shark Tank at this point. But of course, you know Jack, Shark Tank is A-list. Then you go down a couple of rungs to the D-list or below, and they're like, well, we don't think you're right for Shark Tank. Because they knew that Mr. Wonderful or uh, Mark Cuban would tear him apart. I would have loved to see that, by the way. Yeah, but they didn't think that was going to make good television. But they're like, well, tell you what, Jack, we have this other show. What did you say you have? You have a barbecue sauce? Well, that's perfect. Come over here, buddy. Come on the West Texas Investors Club. I'm sure that these Texas good old boys believe a New York-born California native, recent Tennessee transplant, <laughs> could make barbecue sauce better than they can. And Jack, not understanding irony, said, I bet I could win that. Um, Spoiler alert, he does not he, win that. He does not win that. So I think we should get into the YouTube Except this time it is not a YouTubulator. It is a Vimeo later. Is that what we're calling it now? Uh, this is the Vimeo Bobulator. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we please put your YouTubulators away. We're going to ask you to go under your bed for that other little case you keep under there. No, not that one. This one is the one that controls your secret Vimeo Bobulator. I made that up right now. Oh, that was very good. So we're going to ask you to adjust your Vimeo Bobulator and tune in to this episode, yes. season one, episode two of the West Texas Investors Club. A Time to Grill, August 11th, 2015. There's two different investors on this episode. Jax goes from the beginning of the video to approximately 30 minutes and 16 seconds. So typically in. with these shows, like Shark Tank's a 60 minute show that they try to get three businesses on there three entrepreneurs on there that they might invest in they're following as best they can the old 2020 20 radio format 20 minutes got section one 20 minutes segment two 20 minutes segment three west texas investors club typically follows that format but they take such an interest in Jack that Jack actually occupies one and a half segments. So they give Jack yep. 30 minutes of their program. It's not evenly divided between the two investors. The second entrepreneur that they bring on is a lovely woman who has an idea for a financial aid app for students. They give her about 15 minutes because it's obvious that she's really outclassed with her app. And they give Jack the lion's share of the episode because Jack proves to be so, I want to say the word entertaining, but I really want to say the word bizarre. Yeah, bizarre makes Even sense. the producers of this show, and again, this is a financial procedural game show. It's a Shark Tank derivative. They know the format in and out. This is this is machine stamping a program. Okay, bring the guy in. We have a talk. Then we go to segment two where he actually has to prove his mousy worth with his stuff. Then we go back to the table for a second round of negotiations. We go through the valuations. We find out the numbers. And a deal is made or they just don't really make a deal. Because this is season one of a Shark Tank clone, they probably want to make all the deals they can. Season one, episode two, like he didn't have much of a chance. He didn't have a whole season ahead of him. No, but again, this is not, the, this was season one of a Shark Tank clone. Jack should know what a show like this is about. I mean, he should have seen well... at least one episode of Shark Tank, but it becomes very clear that Jack is way in over his head. Correct. Let's get into it. All right, folks, adjust your Vimeo bobulators. We are hitting play in five. Five. Four, three, two. So, so we're, we're in the open. They're running through a montage of what we're going to see in the episode. There's Jack Clueless at a barbecue at a wood smoker. It's interesting that in the years after this episode aired, when Jack proved that he had no idea what to do with a wood smoker, that Jack has now taken on wood grilling and barbecuing and smoking as like his centerpiece. Now we have some theories on that as to what uh, Jack is up to with the barbecue, with the whole double intamnity thing. I was talking with Pink Chicken this morning and I was like, you know what you don't see on the Jack show anymore? Five pound bags of cheese, three pound tubs of sour cream. You don't see that anymore. I think Tammy is starving him. For the players, we have Jack obviously, who we all know and hate. But we need to let the audience in on the West Texas Investors Club. Who are the West Texas Investors? So we have two partners. Rooster McConaughey, and he is known as the Gunslinger. We have Butch Gilliam, who is the Hatchet. And then the Mensa candidate. I didn't make this up. This is what they told me on the open. Oh, he's not a candidate. He's a Mensa member. He's a Mensa candidate. I don't care. Gil Prather. Gil also, Prather. Gil Prather. Thank you. 
who is also known as the Tenderizer. So this is Rooster McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey's brother and his partner Butch. They apparently have some type of business dealings that they're in on, but that's kind of really shady. They don't really go into that a lot. Really, no. who cares? No. Um, but they bring out this guy, Gil. And if you've ever seen the Mel Brooks movie, Blazing Saddles, where they're having the meeting to discuss the new sheriff and the guy comes up wearing the raccoon vest and the prospector hat and he starts going, why dad go my known if I but born in this town, I was raised in this town, and I'll die in this town. And the mayor goes, you see, folks, that's what we need here. Some good old-fashioned country gibberish. Uh, that's this guy. This guy or, is basically the country gibberish prospector guy from Blazing Saddles. Or if you haven't seen that, Boomhauer. Boomhauer is exactly the... Oh, from Mike Judge's King of the Hill. Yes, King of the Hill. Boomhauer. That's that's what I I gather. From well, the Hill. accent is uh, well. Again, well, he's King a Mensa candidate, guys. Well, Mike Judge is from West Texas, so he did Beavis and Butthead. Uh, but Beavis and Butthead really wasn't centered in any part of. That was just supposed to be any small town in America. You will find two teenage waste cases. But when he was approached to do another series, he's like, I want to set this with the guys I grew up in, and Mike Judge grew up in West Texas. Okay. So that's why Boomhauer and Hank Hill and all those guys. That's why they all have the accents that they have and. Hank Hill isn't selling propane. Like, literally, this guy, Gil, needs his own subtitles. Like, he needs his own closed captioning going on. Yeah, I was joking with the pink chicken. I'm like, this guy's probably like a medieval literature scholar at University of Texas, Austin. But they're like, Gil, you can't be that guy on television for us. You know, we need you to be country gibberish prospector guy. And he plays the part to the hill. So we're watching the opening <laughs> montage. A minute in. <laughs> this it's is really as interesting. far as we got. It's really interesting. Well, we're telling you, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time introducing the characters because they don't spend a whole lot of time introducing the characters. They ship Jack in. And it's hysterical because they're like, this is reality television. So most of it is scripted. But they have to have, you know, there are some things they can't control, like Jack's wardrobe and what luggage he brings. And it is so clear that Jack is bringing Tammy's luggage. I don't know if he has his own suitcase or not, but he has this curved little roll-along suitcase. It's uh, so sleek and chic. Yeah, like a, and a beach <laughs> tote. I asked Pink Chicken, I'm like, are those are those Tammy's luggage? That does not look like what a guy carries. He doesn't have a duffel. He doesn't have like a, a standard suitcase. One of the reasons Jack wears his little snapbacks and his kangas and his baseball caps is because he's bald. And that, so, you know, that Jack doesn't like to look his age. Jack likes to look like he's 10. He's bald as the day is long. They fly him in on a Learjet, which you know Jack was all happy about. But they fly him in on a Learjet into West Texas, which is not a very well-populated area. So Jack's now sitting alone in front of a bus depot with Tammy's luggage and his... his but, but look at the The only way, golf shirt he owns. If you watch this video and look at the way he's dressed, this is not the way he would normally dress. No, this is a producer on the plane told him, you're gonna wear that. No, no, no. Put on a golf shirt and a regular hat. We're not gonna have you dress like a 10 year old. Exactly. The fun part is later in the episode when Jack does get to dress himself, he dresses he, like a 10 year old. Yes, so, exactly. There's Jack in a size 4X golf shirt, probably bought at Sam's Club. He's wearing a black leather kanga, snapback, and uh, Gil has picked him up in a rusty 78 Chevrolet truck. Can I ask a question? What is a kanga? Because I don't understand. Snapback what, cap. Oh, Samuel okay. Jackson's famous for wearing kangas. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm, I'm not a guy. I don't understand. I suppose understand. it's baseball caps. I don't understand. But... It can also be considered a leather. It could also be a cabbie hat. Uh, okay. I, I don't really know the I got difference. You. Kind of like a beret but not really. Jack is talking with good old Gil as they drive down Gil the West Texas Prather, Highway. Yeah, the, tenderizer, the Tenderizer. The Mensa member. As they're bringing Jack to the show, Rooster, I, I love how we're now chummy with like West Texas guys. Rooster and, <laughs> Rooster and Butch are having a good old conversation about what does this guy think he's doing bringing a California-based barbecue sauce into West Texas, one of the barbecue capitals of the world. Does he really have a really great sauce or is he completely delusional? Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> If you're listening to our show, folks, you know where this is headed. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, it's 30 minutes of a basic cable CNBC Shark Tank clone. But I gotta tell you, if you have the relationship with Jack that we have, every minute of this show is gold. Yeah, you want to suck that up. Yep. So Just like the meat marine. We're now in segment one. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Don't forget to dip the tip in the sauce a little oh bit before it starts sucking. God. There you are. Oh, So there's three God. segments to West Texas Investors Club. 
there's the setup where Jack gets to introduce himself, he gets to introduce his product, and he gets to introduce the deal. That becomes very important in the third segment. But segment one is just the intro. They're meeting him, they're letting him pitch his sauce, but things don't go here exactly as planned. Because Jack wants to immediately start coming over and hugging them and giving them stuff, and they make Jack stand to the side a little they're bit. They're like, no, get away. We want to size you up. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I hope you have a livestock scale, because that's a big <laughs> ask. I mean, a huge ask. So ask Jack is pitching ask. them. So Jack is pitching them on his sauce, and they're asking basic business questions, which Jack seems to have a really hard time answering. At the beginning of the show, they, they mentioned barbecue is a $4 billion industry. So they're basically like, well, how much of this industry do you command, Jack? And they ask Jack basic questions. And one of the reasons we wanted to get into this is because this is the stuff you never hear Jack talk about on, on the YouTube channel. Exactly how much is his business worth? How much is Jack Incorporated worth? On this show, we get secret inside information. He says he has a he has a huge cooking show on YouTube. He has 1.5 to 2 million views a month, which if you just do a basic search on Google and ask them how much how much should a YouTube how much can you make if you have a million views on YouTube, you begin to find out that it's it's really not that much. It's three to five K a month. YouTube pays you through the advertising program called Google AdSense. Because you're publishing content, they're having other advertisers put their advertisements in it, Google takes a fee for their services, and they give you about 30% of the revenue. What Jack is basically getting here is equivalent to a modest job, a modest full-time job. And now remember, YouTube is a global reach. YouTube has billions. Well. When you think about it, you're like, oh my God, he has one to two million views a month? That's awesome. Remember the top YouTubers get seven to 10 million views per video. Jack puts out, it were eight videos. He does, he does two a week plus his Saturday show. So Jack has like 10 videos out there. You divide a million people over that, now you're only talking maybe 100,000. But remember, it's even less than that. Jack's popularity has waned since even when this video was produced, when this episode aired in 2015. Jack is now down to maybe, maybe 5,000 views per video. So that's we, working we out. We looked, folks. We so looked. So that's working out to maybe, he's not doing 1.5 million views per month anymore. He's now doing way less. He's now 300, 400,000 view man. He asked for... $300,000 for 20% of his business. Yes, Jack valued his company. They asked him, they said, well, how much did you make with these sauces? And he's like, guys, I gotta tell you, I went over the wall and I got into Walmart. I got into Walmart. They're like, oh wow, Walmart has 4,000 stores. So you're in 4,000 stores? He's like, no. They're like, okay, <laughs> no? so they gave you like a regional test. You're in like 500 stores? He's like, no, I am in. 150 stores of Walmart. So I looked this up. Walmart has 320 stores in California alone. So Jack, at the height of his popularity with his sauce, popularity in bunny quotes, he was only in half of the California stores. Now, if anybody knows anything about tier one retailing, any retailer out there, if you can show them the basics, I have a product, I have UPC codes on my product, I can make this stuff. Tell me the quantity that you have to buy in. If you're not a complete shady operation, any retailer, even Walmart, will give anybody a chance. They do a test market. They let you run for one or two buying cycles. If your product has legs, if it can do what you say it does, they make a bigger order. All Walmart does is they're selling their shelf space. You wanna be on a shelf? This is what you get. You get this opportunity to prove yourself. Obviously, because you and I can't buy a bottle of Jack sauce anywhere in the continental United States other than from his website, the Walmart test didn't go as planned, did it? No. And so that was Jack at the height of his popularity. And even at that, Jack claimed that his sales for the year that he appeared on the West Texas Investors Club were $106,000 um for four products. So that basically works out to $25,000 a year per each of the four products. They are asking him the standard Shark Tank question. And they're like, okay, so what are you asking us for? Like, why are you here? Right. He they don't doesn't even... know any of his numbers. And you know why that fucking is? Because Tammy does 99.99997% of all of his accounting work. Wow, you give him 0.003% credit. I know, That's right? two more percent, that's 0.0002% more credit than I'd give him. <laughs> right? Well, I, I, you know he doesn't do any of it. He you doesn't, know he, he's the front man, that's it. He's the talent. The quotes. talent, yeah. 
which is funny because that's exactly what this show reveals. This show reveals Jack in a spot, this show puts Jack in the spotlight that Jack delusionally thinks he wanted to be in. The problem is, when Jack is revealed in that spotlight, it's not a pretty picture. No, it's not. But back to the valuation, again, you play Shark Tank, you gotta know your business. You gotta know your sales, you gotta know your revenue, you gotta know your they profit margin, know that all you gotta know front. your profit numbers. Yep. They, gotta, you gotta, they gotta know what you did for the past three years. Correct. They wanna know what your projections are for the next three years. Exactly. Now, the, the Lazy Man has been in enough entrepreneurial business conversations to know. The Lazy Man has helped people bring products to market successfully, unsuccessfully, to, to have had these questions asked. These are the basics of if you look for any kind of money, even a bank, if you open up a taco stand in Bumblefuck wherever, and you will run that operation, and you're like, you know what, I wanna knock down the wall and buy the building next to me, and I'll make a bigger dining room. You have to go to, if you go to a bank, they're gonna ask you, how much did you make last year? How much did you make the year before that? How much did you make the year before that? And then what are you gonna make in the next three years? Three years is standard. You go to the SBA, you go to the Small Business Administration, you wanna you want to get a Chapter 7 loan through them, this is exactly what you're gonna have to go through. So this isn't, they're not grilling Jack. They're like him. They're really undercooking well, him. they're not, but in Jack's mind, he's like, oh, this is unfair. I don't know why everyone's well, asking me this. Immediately, immediately they ask him, they're like, okay, what are your sales? And he equivocates and goes, well, we probably did 80 to 100,000. And they're like, probably? Well, okay, you know, you, you, you run a sauce business. Maybe you have- Maybe you're a little nervous yeah. being on the show. Okay. okay. Well, just tell us uh, how much did you actually net, Jack? What's your profit? And he goes, I think, uh... I think we did maybe 35,000. Now what Jack doesn't know is these guys are actual business people and in the actual business world, if you're the manufacturer of a product and your profit margin is maybe 30 to 35%, something has gone horribly wrong. Manufacturer profit margins are not distributor profit margins. 35% is a distributor or a reseller's profit margin. A manufacturer should be commanding way more money than that. When you watch the Shark Tank, they ask the, they ask the people, most of the people who come on Shark Tank are inventors. They've created something and then they sell it. And those guys, when they ask them questions, they ask them, what's your first cost? What's your landed cost? What do you charge your distributors for it? What do you sell through all your channels? What's your retail? Because every one of those steps is a markup that the manufacturer makes more money on the product. So if he's selling it to a wholesale distributor, that's one profit margin. When you get to the retail level, if a manufacturer is selling directly to the consumer, that's the highest profit margin because you're avoiding reseller costs and you're, you're taking all of that out, the advertising costs, you're selling directly to the consumer, that's the sweetest plum. You see Mr. Wonderful, you see Mark Cuban on yeah. the Shark Tank, when you see the sharks go after somebody and they ask him like, you know, are you selling directly to the consumer? Because you should be, because that's your highest profit margin. When they ask Jack and he, Jack says, I think, they don't even ask him, the, the, they don't even use any of the business terms. They don't ask him evaluation. They don't ask him profit margin. They talk in basic West Texas slang. They're like, well, how much do you make? And how much out of that? How much do you take home? And he's like, uh, I think I make 35,000. And they're like, wait, you don't have hard numbers? You didn't bring those with you? He's a, uh, he, Jack, Jack begins sweating profusely. So then Jack, to defend himself, says, oh, but, but wait, guys, I also have a YouTube channel. So it's bait and switch. Right. But here's the thing, we looked, we, we sure oh did. my God, we, we've researched this for like, I don't know, probably 10 hours. Like we looked at his social blade. We looked at what YouTubers typically make for the level of viewers that they have or the, the subscribers that they have. Right, and what does it mean to be a success on YouTube? What can exactly. a successful YouTuber make? He's scraping maybe on average, $172 per video on cooking with Jack. Right. Not the Jack on the go or any Which of the other. Which are far less successful. Right, not on, not any of the other, the smaller YouTube channel, like not eye to eye, not tech time, whatever it right. is, not any of that. So he makes 172. Even if he's still holding 
1.5 million views a month. You can look these numbers up yourself, folks. That's commanding maybe eh, somewhere between $3,000 and $5,000 a month is what YouTube's paying him. So you multiply that by 12 months, Jack is somewhere between forty dollars to $60,000 a year in earnings from his YouTube, directly from YouTube. It's, now, it's slightly a bump over minimum wage. Right. Now, most YouTubers are able to parry that one revenue stream into other revenue streams like affiliate marketing or the biggest thing that a YouTuber can do is get sponsorships because sponsors will pay you per video, sponsors will pay you per mention. So that's why Jack is always acting like he has sponsors. I'm gonna pat the, the lazy man on the back for this information, but we all know that Jack's alleged sponsors are not actual sponsors. It's something he's playing off as a sponsor, but actually it, it's it's not a sponsor. It's an affiliate link. It's, so it's him pretending like somebody sent something to him. Right. It's, that's not... It's him buying something from a manufacturer and having it sent to his house. And Jack couches that as, look what oh, the look, manufacturer sent me. Yeah, look at me. what they sent me. Exactly. You ordered it. Of course they're right. going to send you it. Exactly. If they don't, that's technically exactly. considered mail fraud. Yep. The point of this is, within literally eight lines of scripted dialogue on a reality television show, these two guys, a guy named Rooster... <laughs> <laughs> and a guy named Butch and their buddy Gil the Prospector Who's begin to a Mensa take, candidate. Begin to take <laughs> Jack apart in a way that Pink Chicken and the Lazy Man could only ever hope to do. They dismantle him. And then, coming into segment two of the show, they spring a surprise on Jack. So we're gonna get into segment two now. Segment two of the West Texas Investors Club, they bring Jack to an actual Texas barbecue joint to meet an actual Texas barbecue pit master, and they tell Jack that they have rigged up a little bit of a competition for Jack. Jack not only has to sell his sauce, but Jack has to cook with it. And he's shitting his pants over the entire portion of this section. And Jack, the YouTube celebrity we all know and enjoy, no. who runs a show, no. who runs a YouTube channel no. called Cooking with Jack show and sells barbecue sauce no. that he advertises on the Cooking with Jack show and Jack is forced to admit he's never cooked for a large group of people <laughs> it's the best in part. his life. That's the best part. He's never touched an actual wood barbecue smoker. How the fuck even? So this becomes strike two against Jack. Strike one strike of Jack at bat at the West Texas Investors Club. You don't know your numbers. Oh, and his, his valuation uh, on the numbers. His valuation. He told them. He's like, yeah, so I make about $100,000 uh, on my sauce. My sauce grosses $100,000 a year. And they're like, okay. And I profit $30,000. Okay. And I probably make about $60,000 a year from YouTube. Okay. So they're like, well, you know. Back of a back of a cocktail napkin sketch. Eh, your company's you know your company's probably going to be worth three or four hundred thousand. What what are you asking for? He one point five million. He values his company <laughs> at one point five million, but Jack doesn't know that because Jack doesn't know business. He doesn't even watch Shark Tank. If you watch Shark Tank on the regular, you know how they value a business. They take your top line, they do a multiplier off of what percentage of the company you're willing to sell them and they multiply it out by five years. So what Jack's valuation says is he's asking for $300,000 for a 20% stake in Jack's barbecue sauce business. So they put the numbers together and they go, you understand that you take the one, you multiply the other, and essentially what you're asking us for is you're saying your business is valued at $1.5 million, yet you told us your sales for the past three years, your sales haven't cracked 300,000, not even close, and your profit has barely cracked a hundred thousand. So by us taking you even at your word for the sauce business, you're essentially inviting us to 20% of $150,000, which, spoiler alert, the math on that comes not even, that doesn't even crack $30,000 for a $300,000 investment. It's amazing. And Jack goes, and Jack goes, meep. <laughs> so they're like, okay, you don't seem to know the business end of it, buddy. But let's just see if the rubber meets the road. So they throw Jack into segment two at a little place called Katie's Barbecue in Midland, Texas. 
We're at about the 13 minute, 13 minutes, 24 seconds. Jack is stymied because Jack is in front of a real smoker in a real barbecue pit in West Texas. And Jack doesn't know how to he light the fire. He has no fucking clue what the hell he's doing. He looks about as scared. Well, I wrote it down because Gil, the Mensa member, Gil Prather, the tenderizer, basically says that Jack looks, and I quote Gil in his voice here, he looks about as nervous as a whore in church. Correct. They bring Jack out to this barbecue. So this is day two. This is segment two of the show. Day two, it's morning. It's not that early. It's probably about nine o'clock in the morning. Katie's Barbecue Pit in Midland, Texas, apparently opens at 11 a.m. We looked them up on we looked them up on Google Maps. And Yelp. And Yelp. Rooster McConaughey is slinging some knowledge here. So the business guys are out there. So the West Texas Investors Club are out there with their pit master because Jack is going to have to have a little contest with a West Texas Barbecue Pit Master because they want to see how good his sauce is. Because of course Jack puts on his bottle that he's got the best barbecue sauce in the world so they're like okay it's better than west texas barbecue let's find out so they immediately start grilling and it becomes obvious that jack's gonna need some help so first gil the tenderizer comes over and he's helping by the middle of the segment both butch and rooster have to get involved helping jack because jack is flailing he doesn't know what the hell to do. No, he's out in the crowd schmoozing. Like, you see my YouTube channel? Oh, I'm cooking with Jack Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me, we just moved here. That was the key. That was my confusion. 2014, right. 2015 is in the, the time frame that they move from uh, Cali to Tennessee. Right. But he confirms here when this show was recorded that he was in Tennessee. So much like Mark Twain's beloved fictional literary character of Tom Sawyer, who convinces the neighborhood boys to paint the fence for him, in about a 15-minute swatch, Jack goes from cooking the barbecue to selling his barbecue sauce table to table and telling him the story of how he's doing this all by himself and this and that and you can see butch and rooster behind him watching him glad hand the customers as they're cooking the meat for him because he doesn't know he knows how to work a crowd he doesn't know how to work a grill so they're like okay so butch and gilliam are beginning to get the idea that maybe the sauce isn't jack's forte maybe barbecuing is really not jack's forte which six years down the line as jack tries to cozy up to every meat marine who'll let him rub the sauce on his meat <laughs> oh my god you realize that jack that this has stuck wow. in jack's craw that jack was told his barbecue sauce ain't shit because jack can't cook so now jack is a barbecue master in his head so these guys now have a contest so we come into the second part of the contest and basically they have given jack the red plates and jd the pit master has the blue plates and they're allowing the audience to vote the 80 or so Via people plates. they have right you Who throw throws whatever in whatever garbage you tried one rib with one sauce you tried another rib with another sauce the best sauce you had throw your plate in the garbage in addition to that they have four judges on a stand two of which are Butch and Rooster, because again, this is not the world's largest production budget. And it's they have little, the mayor of the it's town. It's a little unbalanced, and but... And one, one of the elders of the town, a female with a bouffant hairdo straight out of the 60s. The mayor, didn't we figure out? Yes. Okay. Certainly the mayor or the county judge. Someone important in local law. Yes. Yes. So they have the four judges who are going to make the official determination, plus they have the crowd favorite, which they voted by garbage can. Because again, this is supposed to be down home. As highbrow and high stakes as Shark Tank is, this is supposed to be the Southern Texas, Western Texas, Southern Yee Fried, fucking haw. Yeehaw, good old boy version of Shark Tank. Hell yeah. So they're having a good old fashioned barbecue contest, and Jack is, by Gil's own admission here, folks sweating like a whore in church as they nervously judges barbecue. Gil now, this being a reality television show, of course they have four judges. Well, you can't have four judges for anything because four judges will tie. Tie, yeah. It needs to be three. So the fix is in here. So you know that two of these people are going to vote for Jack and two of these people are going to vote for JD. Reality TV at right. its finest. Exactly. So you know... That they're gonna have to go over that garbage and start counting plates. And guess who does it? The Mensa fucking member, Gil. She really can't get over this Mensa thing. I've met a number of people that are in Mensa and I have nothing good to say about any of them. Please prove me wrong. 
I don't want to talk about the, the whole Mensa situation that I've Did you ever ask the lazy man if he was in Mensa? I'm sorry, lazy man, are you in Mensa? No, I'm not. Oh, thank God. Okay, yay. Good. I just wanted to make you sweat. <laughs> it's more entertaining than what we're watching, because what we're watching is Jack With watch Gil class the And literally, as soon as he dumps the plates out, you realize it's not going well for Jack. Because as soon as he dumps the plates out, Literally, you can see. they have the Mensa member dig through the fucking trash. This Where people have thrown away their just-eaten ribs. So there's half-bitten meat obviously pre-COVID, but now it makes me so fun. Like, it makes me my heart smile. It's triggered, yes. But you can... Gil doesn't have to go through all this. You can see there's not a lot of red plates in that garbage. I forget what the final tally is, but Jack got knocked out of the ballpark. JD, like the actual... Like 10? You, yeah, you saw it. More than 10, yeah. Yeah, at least 10. So it wasn't even close. Jack didn't come anywhere near. So going back to remember, they, Jack has three chances here. They have three segments of the show. The first segment is... He Jack, struck out. Just buy your numbers. Just buy your numbers. Because that'll, that'll sell you anyway. Uh, Wrong. Do you know your numbers? Eh. Nope. Nope. Are your numbers impressive? No. Not at all. The all only right. number that impressed them was the YouTube show. They're like, oh, a million views. We could do something with that. But then Jack says... Well, that's me. You can't have any of that. That's, that's a piece me. of my heart and soul. So they're like, yeah, whatever, Pally. If we're going to give you money for your barbecue sauce, we're going to get a piece of that YouTube action because you have established an advertising channel that we can exploit and help you sell more sauce. But of course, that's a large, that's a large chunk of nuanced understanding that our Jack just doesn't have. No. So now everybody's applauding. Segment two, they so Jack is now behind the Jack is now behind the proverbial eight ball. So now we get to. Segment three. Three. Dun, dun, dun. In between segment three, they let Butch and Rooster talk for a little bit. And they're not happy that Jack was glad-handing, but they see something here. They're like, wait a minute. This guy's getting a million views. He's getting a million sets of eyes a month. If Jack's willing to part with some of his, if he's willing to sell some type of interest in his YouTube show, that we can help him with. Because remember, this $300,000 isn't a prize. And a McConaughey. It's a business investment, right. A McConaughey. I was pitching Pink Chicken. I'm like, can you imagine if in the totality of circumstances, because who knows what a celebrity is anymore. Everybody's a celebrity on YouTube. We're celebrities. Whoa. <laughs> Very low bottom rung. Bottom yes. of the bottom rung. But we're there. Z-list celebrities. We're less than, we're, we're more than zero. Yay. Yay. We're, we're definitely Z-list. <laughs> um, so, but it's not, again, it's, it's not what it used to be to become a quote unquote celebrity. So these guys are talking about Jack and they're like, well, all he's got to do is let us in on this YouTube action and we'll back his sauce. They are basically saying Jack is, they feel so bad for Jack that all he has to do is capitulate to them a little bit and they're going to do some business with him. So they are not prepared if you, for if what you, comes next. If you listen to what, what they're saying and what Jack is saying. Rooster and Butcher, are you talking about Gil? Yes. Both, all of them. It doesn't okay. matter. Um, you so, so you're talking about the entire West Texas Investors Club. Yes. Okay. They they see that they're not interested in the sauce. They're interested in the YouTube. The YouTube makes more money. Well, a, the, according the YouTube to, has the potential to make the money. Remember, these guys then, are looking for an I, no, investment. I think I think at this point in time. 2014, 2015, the YouTube is making more money. But it isn't. You're buying into Jack's bullshit. Jack no, laid his no, numbers no, no. out in segment no, one. No, 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 no. I think that the YouTube is making more Does money. Does math not work in your world the same way it no. works in mine? No, I think... Because he said his sauce makes $100,000 a year and his yeah, YouTube makes $60,000 a year. Are we listening to this year. bullshit? Are we, are we agreeing with this bullshit? I mean, it, we can agree to disagree, but I, I really think that at this point in time, in at 2014, 2015, what's making more money, the sauce or the YouTube channel? I feel like it's the YouTube channel. I don't feel like it's the sauce. But even by Jack's own wonky third grade math, that's not true. Jack said, stated, because I wrote them down, that his sauce in, in calendar year 2014 made $106,000. He made a profit of approximately $35,000. He couldn't give hard numbers. He said well, that he makes one to two exactly. million views. From one to two million views a month on YouTube, he makes three to $5,000. Given in the best case scenario, we'll split it in half, say $4,000 times 12 months, that's $48,000. For his YouTube channel? Right, which is technically all profit. So in the strictest sense, he profits $35,000 maybe from his sauces. He profits maybe he takes the lion's share of that home 
from the $48,000. So in a sense, you might be right that he profits more from his YouTube views than he does from his sauce. But in either scenario, how pathetic is that? Yeah, absolutely. It's pathetic. Right, considering his cost of goods. But it's a bait and switch. Is like, hey, I have this, but I also have this. Well, See, they're interchangeable, out, but they're not. As we get into the depths of segment three, it becomes apparent that our friends Butch and Rooster and Gil <laughs> come to this same idea. That Jack's Jack's cash cow is the YouTube show. So they basically <laughs> proposition Jack and say, look, we'll give you the sauce money, but we want a piece of equity of your YouTube show. We want to use some of your influence, maybe for ourselves, maybe for other products, but you got to give us a piece of that too. They expect Jack to haggle the way a, a typical business person would. You know, you're at the bazaar and you see something you like and the person says, I will take that from you for $50. And you're like, no, no, that's much more than that. Give me $60. And the person says, I will give you $52. And you say, no, no, it's worth much more than that. Give me $58. You haggle. Eh, go back to your Monty Python's life of Brian. No, 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 you're supposed to say, are you mad? You're supposed to charge me more. That's how you haggle. Jack has no idea about any of this. And this is where the onion, this is where the layers of the onion completely peel off. And Jack is standing there like the naked special needs six-year-old that we know him to be. <laughs> because in the middle of this hardcore negotiation, you know, Butch is like, look, we think your sauce is shit, but your YouTube thing might be something. We want a piece of that. And Jack goes, no, no, no that's, me. that's me. That's me, that's my soul. And they're like, buddy, drop the act. Everybody's doing this for money. So what's it worth to you? At this point, they're interested. At this point, they're just raking Jack over the coals to see how much they can get out of him. But they still want to do business with him. They're like, yeah, you know what? He seems to have a certain charm about him, I guess. He did actually get sauce in a bottle. A lot of people say they're going to do a bunch of stuff. They never do it. But here's a guy. He actually has numbers. He doesn't know what they are, but whatever. He seems a little dopey. Maybe he doesn't know his numbers. Maybe his wife handles that for him. Because she does. But yeah. they're like, they're willing to deal with him at this point they're like buddy all you got to do is say you're going to be business partners with us jack self-immolates in now i would say a way that you wouldn't believe but we're here folks you saw us on saturday with the wendy's and the tiny tacos drive through you know what it takes to make jack crumble like a paper tiger imagine that times a thousand because he has two west texas good old boys on him in a hardcore business negotiation to say that jack folds in is an understatement. To say that Jack has an emotional meltdown worthy of a toddler is an understatement. What does Jack do, Pink Chicken? He cries like a little bitch. <laughs> he cries like a little bitch. I, I don't mean he wells up a little bit and sobs a little bit or a tear rolls down his cheek. I mean heavingly sobs. sobs. Full, to the point full where, body sob. To the point where Butch literally says, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with this man. All we wanted to do was rake him over the coals and have a hardcore business conversation with him. But Jack folds in on himself, and in that moment you realize, Jack is not a con artist. Jack is a deluded fool. What's interesting about the third segment of this is that he's wearing the same clothes as the first segment. So did they record the first segment and the third segment together and Jack knew what was happening? Did they just say, hey, hang this up. We're, we're going to have you no, come I... back in this gear because Gil and all the other weirdos going on in here have the same clothes on as the first day. There might be a little bit of editing trickery going on here. Again, this is a reality show and as most people know, reality is in big air quotes. Most of it is scripted. It might be simpler than that. I think Jack might have shown him what he was going to wear and they're like, no, no, no. Put the thing on we gave you the first day. <laughs> yeah, but no. I, the, Your clothing the guys, looks like a 10-year-old's clothing. The guys are, are wearing the same thing that they wore the first day. The producers might have said, you know, hey, when you're on this set, you're in business mode, so put your business clothes on. I, I don't know. It might be a continuity error that you've caught. But the part of it is most of the... I mean, the way Shark Tank works is... They, they, you are dealing with them. Yeah, they edit stuff out. Yeah, they, they tighten stuff up. They move stuff around a little bit. But because it's, it's kind of like a game show, they do have to be honest at a certain level. And this conversation that they're having with him, I mean, I hope this is the first time he's doing it because that means he had a blubber for like 10 takes. That would be amazing. I'd love to see the footage that didn't make it into the final airing of this show. I, I'd love to see the stuff that didn't make the final cut. But he starts it, Jack lights in 
on Butch and Rooster, people who want to give him money. And Jack starts crying. And Jack says something that I had to watch this like four or five times to get this through my head to realize what was going on. Jack says to them, I care about people. I fed your people. I loved on your people, which makes me creeped out in a way I can't imagine. But Jack's not talking about the 15 years of business that he's done with his sauce. Or any of his, of his YouTube followers. He's talking about the people who he fed at the picnic the day before this. Which he didn't actually feed because somebody else took over the grill for him. Butch and Rooster took over with help from Gil, the Mensa candidate. These guys are blown away, first of all by Jack's infantile behavior, but by the fact that Jack doesn't know what's going on. They wanted to work with him. All they wanted to do was say like, buddy, we're gonna have to be your YouTube sponsors. The, the ironic part here is Jack Blue the one opportunity to get bona fide YouTube sponsors. The one thing Jack in his heart of hearts has always wanted, to be picked up by a real sponsor. To have his YouTube program so, validated so what you're with saying, money by a real sponsor. So what you're saying is all of the sponsors that he's had up to date are probably fake. Yes. Everything that he's been sent. We know. Up until this date. We know Profile by Sanford has proven to not be a real sponsor. Correct. We know that most of what Jack identifies as sponsorships are actually affiliate, affiliate marketing. Links, yeah. Right. Which, if you know anything about <laughs> affiliate marketing, anybody can get them. Yep. You fill out a simple form, you give them an EIN number, you show them your state tax ID, you show them your reseller certificate, anybody. Pink Chicken and the Lazy Man could be affiliate marketing because they don't pay you. Hey Jack, we see you. They you... pay you when they sell it. You know what we say about Piggy, the little pig that hides in the back of Jack's set in his kitchen. We see you, Piggy, we see we you. We see you, Piggy. But now, Jack? But Jack, we see you. We see you, we, <laughs> we see you. You come at us, we're coming back at you. But this... None of your sponsors are actually sponsors, and we're gonna take you down for this, motherfucker. In addition to knowing that you don't have sponsors, so that means you don't get that revenue stream. In addition for knowing you don't get a lot of affiliate marketing, because how's Dot Store doing? How is the uh, Convoy of Hope doing, actually? Uh, that's right. what Another, I want to know about. Uh, yeah, a sketchy nonprofit that nobody ever heard of. <laughs> we also know your numbers, Jack. The West Texas Investors Club. We know that Tammy is plotting your demise. She knows all your numbers. She's not telling you them. Right. Because she doesn't want you buying any more Wendy's burgers. But remember, <laughs> Tammy is a bookkeeper. To Tammy, this is all an this is all an accounting transaction. How much is Jack worth alive? How, How much, much is, is Jack worth, worth dead? dead? Exactly. So she's like, well, He's not even worth that much dead. He doesn't have a full-time job. He runs this sketchy YouTube business. But how could I make Jack worth money dead? What if I were to become a life insurance agent? And what if I were to insure my husband? And what if something would happen to my husband? Just natural causes, nothing spectacular, no double indemnity clauses coming into it, which is where that comes from. <laughs> Let's just say Tammy does the same math that the West Texas Investors Club does and basically comes up with the idea of this will work out, but you know, it's gonna take a while for Jack to eat himself to death unless he has an accelerant, like being told he can't, because he's a man-child. And what does a man-child do when you tell him he can't do something? He, he does, does it more. <laughs> I'm gonna hide in the closet and eat all of the crack, crack chicken, chicken, mommy. <laughs> I'm gonna eat so much barbecue, I'm gonna have my friends over. <laughs> Every barbecue chance I get, we're gonna eat barbecue, because that's the only thing she left him. If you notice, there's no more cheese, there's no more rolls. Mm -hmm. Cooking with Jack has become anemic. Cooking with Jack has become meat with Jack. Meat with Jack. Yeah, seasoning meat, rubbing meat, touching meat, touching <laughs> the tips of their meat together. Smokeback Mountain. <laughs> That's the end of this episode. Pretty much. Oh my god. It's not our typical review of Jack. <laughs> this could serve as our ultimate review of Jack because these two guys from West Texas, Butch and Rooster, our buddies Butch and Rooster from Midland, Texas, take Jack apart in one 30 minute CNBC I'm, Shark I... Tank clone episode in a way that Pink Chicken and the Lazy Man never could. Look, he can get copyright struck all he wants. He can try to shut us up as all he wants, but he can't deny the truth because the truth out there. And when this goes and out, it hurts. the truth does hurt. It hurts. It hurts like losing a barbecue contest. Oh, on a national TV show. But on a final note, I finally 
realized something. And I, could, I didn't realize it with just the West Texas Investors Club. I realized it in the Wendy's drive-thru episode when Jack went in and cried and complained and got another burger. He acts like a person with special needs and I have nothing against people with special needs. What I hate is the way people treat people with special needs. Cloyingly sweet to them, they're very saccharine, and they talk down to them. And they don't do it because they like the person with special needs. They do it because they don't know how that person's going to react. Is this person gonna crap themselves on my floor? Is this person gonna throw things? They just know, it seems like a really sweet moment now, but that person is unpredictable because they don't, they're not socialized the way normal people are. That's the way people deal with Jack. And I thought this was a recent thing. I thought Jack devolved into that childlike man-child state in the later years of moving to Tennessee and having the YouTube thing fall apart. This being back in 2015, I took it a step further. I'm like, wow, he's a, ma he's a blubbering man-child in front of these two West Texas investors. And then it hit me. He's trying to sell them his sauce. What does Jack call his sauce? The best. The best barbecue the sauce best. in the whole world. Now, we being longtime fans of Jack, we know where that comes from. What yeah, is Jack's stated narrative for how he got the name of his sauce? One dude one time said one thing, which was, he, hey, this, t this is the best barbecue sauce in the whole wide world. Jack somehow took his barbecue sauce to his local butcher in California, even though we know he shopped at Kroger's and Ralph's out there. But anyway, he took his sauce to this local butcher guy who's never been on a show, who's never been named. And this butcher guy gave the sauce to his customers. According to Jack, the guy told Jack, he told me that it was the best sauce in the whole world. Now, knowing the special needs story that I just gave you, doesn't it put Jack's narrative in a new light? Do you really think that sauce was the best sauce in the whole world? Or was that the butcher guy looking at Jack in his childish baseball cap and childish outfit? Snapback, yep. And Jack standing there blubbering in his store. Well, well, did you, did you like the sauce? And the butcher, with a well of pity, welling up in his heart, looks at Jack and goes, Hey buddy, you know what? That was the best sauce in the whole wide world. The guy was placating Jack, but that didn't placate Jack. It deluded him. <laughs> that lit off a fire in Jack that has burned for almost 20 years now. Jack and the best barbecue sauce ever and everything that's involved with that. He has one media article in California. Right, all of Jack's celebrity, all of it comes down to somebody feeling sorry for Jack and placating him because by Jack's own admission, he's a nice guy. Allegedly right. nice guy. The nicest guy on YouTube from what I heard. But if you want an idea of what Jack's celebrity <laughs> is actually worth, we'll put the link in the description and we'll show you Jack's episode of the West Texas Investors Club. And they will play it, I get it. They pin Jack, hey, to, I can't, they pin Jack like a I butterfly to a card. I can't compete with the McConaughey. Now we what? can argue with Jack. <laughs> Jack can fight with us, we can fight with Jack, he can ban us, but you can't hide from the truth. And when you're dealing with a con man or a deluded fool, we're still not sure which Jack is. The one silver bullet in that fight is the truth. Yeah, I think we should end it there. I think so too. It, that's a good note to end it on. Yes. Um, the lazy man is super angy. I'm just pointed at him now. I'm oh, just, well, yeah, well, you know. I'm intensely focused. Again, like I said, the lazy Laser man- Laser focus. The lazy man gets by on a, and the lazy man gets by on a cushion of ambitionless experience. The lazy man takes the days as they come. Not because he doesn't have the ability to, he just doesn't, he just doesn't see it. But when someone focuses the lazy man's attention on things, that's when all of his resources and talent comes to bear. You'll never hear that phrase, the best sauce in the whole world you'll ever taste ever again in the same light after the West Texas Investor Club episode. We will link it for you in the description because literally everybody needs to see this. It explains so much. One so, might say it's the Rosetta Stone of the Scalfani experience. Yeah, we will end it here, folks. The actual um, Rosetta Stone. We will watch this. Tape. We will be live this Saturday. 2 p.m. We will talk about this episode. We will watch it with you guys if you're if you're down for that. Thank you, folks. Uh, we will get this out to you before Saturday. Hopefully, hope, hope. This has been an extra long, extra strong, extra hard episode of Big Chicken and the Laser Man.